Hi, Tony. I think you're muted. Hi, Rosalyn, can you hear me? I do now. When you oh. were in the car, it was terrible. I can I can hear you. I can't hear you well. I, I just parked. I got caught in really bad traffic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm on my phone. Okay. I'm just going into my house now. Okay, I'll tell everybody. So I'll just, I'll just log in here in about 60 seconds. That's fine. Take your time.
Hello. You're, now you're on twice. You're on, still on with the phone. You know, I can barely, barely hear you. Uh, let's see. I'll get closer to my microphone. I don't know why. Is that any better? No. Uh, let's see. Is your, is your volume all the way up? Mine is. Just a second. How about now? Uh, can you hear me now? I just really, really faintly. Let me. Let me what was that? I, <laughs> I got you now. <laughs> yeah, now I got a big, a really big echo. Hold on. That's because you're on the phone and you're on the computer. That's what happened. Okay. There, how's that now? I'm, I got, I'm working on get, getting off the phone. But can you hear me? Yes. Okay. I don't know how to shut off. Ah, here's Christine. Hello. Hello. I need to plug my machine in. Hold on. That's okay. Tony's having trouble. I'm having tech problem. Ooh. He's oh. on the phone and on the computer. That's why it sounds that way. He's on what? He, uh, he looked like he was on the phone and <laughs> now he got off, so it'll be okay. Ah. Okay. Hallelujah. Miracles. Yeah. Hi, Christine. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. I have cats. Lighting here, correct? There, let's take that off. Hi, Yolanda. Hello, hello. How are you today? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. Yes, good. So yeah. today, tonight is your last night. Yes, today is my last night. Yeah, I wish you all the best for the renewal. I I'm sure I will see you again. You never yeah, know. <laughs> a number of people who won't be here tonight. Kim is on the road. Jeremy's at a workshop. Um, Charles has company. Charles has company. Um, I didn't hear from Griff, so I don't know about Griff. And who am I forgetting? What happened? Did the person what about Deb? Deb, where's Deb? Deb should be here. What about the woman that lived in Oakland? Did you ever get a hold of her? She sent me a message, says she wanted to talk. I said, great, let's talk. And then I never heard back from her. Come on. Come on. So here we are. Okay. Come on. So anyway, let's, let's start by, uh, let's just do a, a little opening prayer. So let's bring our attention and our awareness within.
Okay, Holy Spirit, thank you so much for giving us this opportunity to be together here this evening. As always, we're grateful that we've taken this time, set it aside to join here with these people. And we turn these next couple of hours over to you. And we ask that you use them for the greatest healing, not only of those actually gathered here on the call, but to all the holy children of God all over who have believed for a little while in separation and are learning that it is not true. We really are one and joined and connected. Amen. Amen. So, everybody, how are you all? So, Rosalind, did you you made your trip back from uh, Florida, so you're back in, I forget, what is it, Portland? Uh, Seattle. Seattle, the Pacific Northwest somewhere. Yeah. Do you drive or do you... Uh... Um, we uh, stop in Philadelphia, we fly. Okay, hold on, we got a lot of noise here. Just a moment, I have to mute it. <laughs> yeah. My grandson is in Philadelphia, so we stop there and then um, move on to Seattle. But we, we fly. You what? You what? We, we fly. We don't drive. Oh, okay. Too, too much. I hear somebody else's cat. <laughs> yeah, and we're off to Ireland very soon, so... Yeah, that's what you said, Ireland. Yeah, we we know somebody who spent about five years in Ireland living there with her Irish husband. They're both Irish, and they offered to take my husband and I and another couple through the Ireland that they know and love. So we couldn't pass it up. Uh -huh. How long are you going to be there? We're going to be there a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm taking my children to um, Spain and Portugal in September. Mm. It's going to be fun. They're both my, my kids and their partners. So the, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. Okay. Great. Anything anybody else would like to share? I have nothing to say. Everything is good. <laughs> it is uh, at least how it should be. Exactly. Right. That's great, I, can't, uh, I can't do something about it, so I just have to accept it. <laughs> uh, last uh, last week, they uh, they uh, scared me terribly because they said that I have um, I had cancer again, but it wasn't cancer, so I was very happy. So mm. it's good. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah, that is scary. I, I missed a little of that. What did you say that they thought you might have cancer, but then it turned out you did not? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. The, they On the scan, uh, whatever scan they took there, they uh, saw that it is uh, cancer. So when they, they did... Uh, uh, different uh, uh, test 
they saw that uh, is not cancer. So in, I, we go with that, that is not cancer. Okay. That's good. That's very have good. You, have you had cancer before, Yolanda? Yeah, yeah, I had, had developed a very aggressive cancer in 2014. Oh. And I, uh, they didn't say that I will survive. So uh, I, uh, I managed. Oh, that's right. You know, I remember that now. Yes, that's right. You went through a whole thing of chemotherapy. You lost yes. all your hair. I remember seeing pictures of you with all your hair gone. I, I forgot. Yeah, this, this is my chemo hair. <laughs> <laughs> your hair since chemo it's beautiful yes uh, if uh, people before chemo had uh, straight hair hair oh. it comes uh, uh, curly and a different color and uh, if you, if it was curly it comes up straight in oh. every second time so wow that's good for you the wonder of the uh, wonder of the nature <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> Well, I'm doing class from my home tonight. Usually I am at the office, but I, um, Reverend Kelly really needed to work there tonight. And it's just too, it's just too small for us to be able to really both be in the same space. We thought about hooking up earphones and it's just, it's just such a small little space. So I decided to come home, which is great. Actually, I'm, I'm happy to uh, be home. Been a really busy it's always busy, but anyway, just exceptionally busy. Um, working on the conference uh, that's coming up and just a whole variety of other things that we're doing, projects. So. Oh. <laughs> and I bet you are very, very busy with all this... Uh uh, everything what you do there at the center. Yeah, and we keep ending up doing more. Uh, you know, there's more to do and, and uh, new projects that we feel guided to uh, take on and start. And, you know, this whole thing that we're doing now with ACIM Gather and uh, the, the Pal Talk thing, and um, that's taking up a, a lot of time. So it's really, you know, and then, and then I had that, that conference that I went to in Utah and that was kind of threw us, uh, you know, uh, it was just difficult to catch up everything since then. And the new location and the new address and we've got address issues and that's turned out to be a big prior project because we're not in a legal address. And we didn't know that when we moved, that it was not a legal address. Mm. <laughs> so, so we now are in the project of trying to create it into a legal address, which is dealing with the city and dealing with architects. Uh, and and, and our, you know, we, we're dealing with an architect. We now have a proposal. We've got to deal with the, uh, the Department of Building Inspection. I mean, he, he thinks that we should be able to get the address uh, legalized. But um, we're in a basement that apparently was, you know, was converted into, it was, it, it's been a commercial space for decades, but apparently there's no indication that it ever was ever legally converted into a 
a commercial space. And so now we have to legally convert it into one or we can't get a business license and we can't get a resale license. So there's all these legal things that we need to function that we're having difficulty with because we don't have a legal address and you can't, you can't function uh, just on the basis of a post office box. So that project got dropped into our laps, which is another big, big project. And I just try to take all of these things, you know, I I don't know why these things uh, keep happening. Um, But they do. There's no why to that. Yeah, there's no why. They do, and but we handle them. I handle them. We handle them. We just keep moving forward. We're a little further along than we were. <laughs> I love this cat. We're a little further along <laughs> than we were. So she she likes to rub her head on the computer edge or the iPad edge. So she probably won't stay away. Yeah. So we didn't understand all that. I'm sorry, did I understand all that? Rudy, didn't he didn't understand all that before he moved you guys in there? He says he always thought it was a legal space. There have been businesses in it for decades. <laughs> That's his contention. His contention, he also says that we shouldn't be that concerned about it because this is supposed to be just a temporary space until we move to Bush Street into Music City, except Music City isn't happening anytime soon, and we can't wait indefinitely because we've got government agencies to deal with. And um, anyway, it's complex, but we're dealing with it. We'll just see light all around that. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, we could start reading. Um, I think we, I, oh, I gotta get my book. We read, we were reading Miracle Principle 48. I think we read up to paragraph 15. Hold on, book. Just a moment here. Okay, I think we read 15, didn't we? Yes. So we're starting on 16. Okay, I'll start. Um, So Rosalind, I don't know if you caught that, but on Miracle Principle 48, we're starting on paragraph 16. Okay, inappropriate sex relaxes only in the sense that it may induce physical sleep. A miracle, on the other hand, is an energizer. It always strengthens and never depletes. It does, it does induce peace, and by establishing tranquility, not relaxation, it enables both giver and receiver to enter into a state of grace. Here, their miracle-mindedness, not released from tension, is restored. Tension is the result of a building up of unexpressed miracle impulses. This can truly 
this can be truly abated only by releasing the miracle drive, which has been blocked. Converting it to sexual libido merely produces further blocking. Never foster this illusion in yourself or encourage it in others. An object is incapable of release because it is a concept which is devoid of creative power. The recognition of the real creative power in yourself and others brings release because it brings peace. The peace of God which passeth understanding can keep your hearts now and forever. Oh, am I missing? Oh, I forgot. Yeah, there, there's a, did I miss one? Okay, there's a, a footnote, 161. Um, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. In the above passage, peace comes from recognizing the creative power in others and ourselves, rather than relating to both as objects. Okay, paragraph 18. Remember that you who want peace can find it only by complete forgiveness. Footnote 162. Uh, this follows directly on a comment that it is all right to know about particular past lives as long as you remember always that you never suffered anything because of anything anyone else did. Thinking you suffered at the hands of another is contrary to complete forgiveness and complete forgiveness is the way to peace. You never really wanted peace before, so there was no point in knowing how to get it. This is an example of the need to know principle, which was established by the plan of the atonement long before the CIA. Footnote 163. Uh, the US Central Intelligence Agency, CIA, is well known for sharing information only on a need-to-know basis. Bill Thetford actually worked for the CIA in the 50s, where he carried out research writing and teaching on the personality assessment system, a system for describing and assessing personality, see Cameo 30. He had top security clearance, so he was very familiar with the CIA's need-to-know policy. No kind of knowledge is acquired by anyone unless he wants it or believes in some way that he needs it. Okay, great. Uh, Rosalind, how about you do 19, 20, 21, and uh, if you could read the footnotes associated with it as it comes up. Right. 19, the following section will be the only one which deals with the concept of lack. Because while the concept does not exist in what God creates, it is very apparent in what you make. It is, in fact, the essential difference. A need implies lack by definition. There are these little numbers, but they're not footnotes. It involves the recognition of conscious or unconscious, and at times fortunately, fortunately superconscious that you would be better off in a state which is somehow different from the one you're in. 
until a separation, which is a better term than the fall, nothing was lacking. This meant that you had no needs at all. If you had not deprived yourself, you would never have experienced that. After the separation, needs became the most powerful source of motivation for human action. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body so, is the doing something with paper or on the desk. Yes, yeah, it's me. I was turning the page. Sorry. Okay. All behavior is essentially motivated by needs, but behavior itself is not a divine attribute. The body is the mechanism for behavior. Nobody would bother even to get up and go from one place to another if he did not think <laughs> he would somehow be better off. Believing that you could be better off is the reason why you have the mechanism for behavior at your disposal. That is why the Bible says, by their deeds ye shall know them. 164 Matthew. Ye shall know them by their fruits. In the above passage, it seems to mean that our deeds reveal the underlying beliefs that motivate them. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, let's see, Christine, if you could read the next three, which would be 22, 23, 24. You act according to the particular hierarchy of needs you establish for yourself. This appears to be a reference to Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs, first proposed in his 1943 paper, A Theory of Human Motivation, which progresses from physiological needs up to through security needs social belonging needs self-esteem needs and finally to the need of self-actualization your hierarchy in turn depends on your perception of what you are that is what you lack this establishes your own roles for what you need to know separation from god is the only lack you really need to correct but your separation would never have occurred if you had not distorted your perception of truth and thus perceived yourself as lacking. The concept of any sort of need hierarchy arose because having made this fundamental error, you had already fragmented yourself into levels with different needs. As you integrate, you become one and your one need becomes one accordingly. Only the fragmented can be confused about this. Internal integration within the self will not suffice to correct the lack fallacy but it will correct the need fallacy. 166, as the context makes clear, this means that by integrating within yourself, you come to realize that you have only one need. You thus correct the notion of a need hierarchy, the need fallacy. This then enables you to identify your efforts behind meeting this one need, and as you meet this need, you realize that you have no needs. You lack nothing. You have thus corrected the lack fallacy. Unified need produces unified action because it produces lack of ambivalence. The concept of need hierarchy, a corollary to the original error, requires correction at its own level before the error levels itself can be corrected. You cannot operate or behave effectively while you operate at split levels. But as long as you do so, you must introduce correction from the bottom up. Okay. Oh, another, uh, one more paragraph, sorry. 
This is because you now operate in space where up and down are meaningful terms. Ultimately, of course, space is a meaningless term. The concept is really one of space-time belief. The physical world exists only because you can use it to correct your unbelief, which placed you in it originally. As long as you knew you did not need anything and the whole device was unnecessary. Okay, uh, great. And Yolanda, you could uh, finish it up with 25 and 26. You can never control the effects of fear yourself because you have made fear and believe in what you make. In attitude then, that though not in content, you resemble your own creator who has perfect faith in his creation because he created them. While creation rests on belief, uh, all creation rests on belief, and the belief in the creation produces its existence. It is why it is possible for you to believe what is not true for anyone else. It is true for you because it is made by you. Every no footnote. Every aspect of fear produces from upside-down perception. The truly created uh, devote their efforts for correcting this. The neurotic devotes his to compromise. The psychotic tries to escape by establishing the truth of his own errors. It is most difficult to free him by ordinary only because he is more stable in his denial of truth. Yeah, we had a little trouble here, or I did anyway, Yolanda, hearing you there in the end. You kind of phased in and out. Plus, your image is, no, it's released now. So there might be a little internet connection. Yes. Okay, let's talk about this for a bit who uh, anybody got some things they uh they'd like to share not me nope i, I thought I, the, the thing about the that oh yeah it's in 21 um the body is the mechanism for behavior. Nobody would bother even to get up or go from one place to another if he did not think he would somehow be better off. Uh, believing that you could be better off is the reason why you have the mechanism for behavior at your disposal. Anyway, I just thought that was an, an, interesting, an interesting little statement. I believe it's very true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've heard this before, but I think it's a good reminder how attached we get to the stories we make up because we love everything we create. I just think that's a good reminder. Getting that I'm hearing. I'm not hearing you very well. Is it possible? Are you by your speaker? I'll get a little closer. Is that better? Oh, that's much better. Thank you. Okay. 
Yeah, what I said was, I've heard this before and thought of it, but somehow it leaves the top of my consciousness. And I like remembering how attached we get to what our stories or whatever we create. And we, because that's what happens. Uh, the creator loves his creations. I just, I mean, I, I love that. It puts, it puts it in a lighter context, but a reminder why we're, we're less likely to give up the stories that we're creating. So. Yes. I don't know. I think it's really easy to this, where he makes this comment and you can never control the effects of fear yourself because you've made fear. Real fear isn't real. An attitude then you, though not in content, you resemble your creator. Now, I love the images of Jesus based all along just saying you know you can have peace at any given moment by just remembering god i'm god i'm god's i'm god's child and that's i don't know i, I mean i've lived a long time now and I, I i like the way you said that yolanda for me it's even a little more than just accepting what is i can i actually find a peace in that that belief you know somebody somebody made a comment to me recently about there being no god and I just said, you know, I, I think that was what I, what I believed in childhood. I was taught somehow to fear that there was no God and all the trauma and the crap, you know, it's a whole lot easier, particularly, and I know partly from doing trauma therapy myself and with others that if you can have that, really that, that connection to your divine peace center, mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's the piece about never being alone. Um, so anyway, I, I, I hadn't thought about it until you made that comment, Rose, but that really strikes me again in that, you know, in attitude, then, though not in content, you resemble your creator. That's that piece. Like, I can have the attitude that I'm of God and God, God would only be loving. Peace instant. <laughs> I think that's what holy instant means, that you can make it yourself. Mm. Mm. Love it. I, I love what it says in paragraph, uh, no, not in paragraph, in the last uh, um, subdivision here, every aspect of fear produces from upside down perception. Mm -hmm. And uh, I find it very true. Okay. Let us read on. So uh, around 49, 49's uh, rather short, so I'll just read it. Oh, I guess it's my turn. Uh, 49, the miracle makes no distinction among degrees of misperception. It is a device for perception correction, which is quite effective, I'm sorry, which is effective quite apart from either the degree or the direction of the error. This is its true indiscriminateness. Christ-controlled miracles are selective only in that they are directed towards those who can use them for themselves, since this makes it inevitable that they will extend them to others. A very strong chain of atonement is welded. But Christ's control takes no account at all of the magnitude of the miracle itself because the concept of size 
exists on a plane, only in a plane that is itself unreal. Since the miracle aims at restoring reality, it would hardly be useful if it were bound by the laws of the same error it aimed to correct. Only human beings make this kind of error. It is an expression of the foolish consistency their own false beliefs have engendered. 167. A foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds adored by little statesmen and philosophers and divines. Ralph Waldo Emerson, from his essay, Self-Reliance, 1841. Jesus's point here is that our little minds tend to devise solutions that work within the laws of the problems they are designed to correct. Our solutions, in other words, tend to be foolishly consistent with the problem. Okay, paragraph three. Both the power and the strength of your creative will must be understood before the real meaning of denial can be appreciated and abolished. Denial is not mere negation. It is positive miscreation. While the miscreation is necessarily believed in by its own maker, it does not exist at all at the level of true creation. Okay. I, I wonder why um, denial uh, is a positive miscreation. What, what can be a negative miscreation though? Well, have you, did you, have, did you read the, the black book at all, Yolanda? Yeah. So it's, this is interesting in a way because in the black book that's explained seems like a little bit more, maybe it's just, I've read that other book over and over so many times. But I think when you, in, in the black book in chapter two, in the beginning, Jesus talks about God using his own creative ability to create uh -huh. soul. Yeah. And, then, and he goes on then in that section and says that we have that same ability to create like God. So yes. he also then gives us the, uh, the comparison and says we can also miscreate. So when we make something that, that so what, the way I see it is what I can make would be a miscreation because it's not what God created. So in fun, in fact, in one of the ways I take this, so he, it, it, where he says denial is not mere negation, did, that whole section in chapter two of the black book is actually about denial. He, it, he's talking about reinterpreting defenses and, and de, the defense of denial particularly. So this didn't come up in the, in the other book in the miracle principles. And maybe that's why it seems confusing. Uh, the, the, my, my um, I remember that, yes, indeed. But why, uh, what is the difference between the positive and the negative miscreation? That was my, my uh, idea. Well, he's talking, the, the, the miracle principle itself says the miracle makes no distinction among degrees of perception. The miracle is a device for correction, which is effective. Mm -hmm from either the degree or the direction of the error. 
this is its true indiscriminateness. So why he would be talking about that down further, but it's got to relate to that somehow. Okay, Tony here. I think I'm, I'm looking at this again. Just a second. You know, the, on the surface, denial looks like negation. I will deny that. I negate that. Yeah. I think what he's saying, though, it's not really a negation. It's actually a positive act of miscreating. So by denying the truth, we are not just negating the truth. We're positively, actively, proactively trying to manifest something else. Yeah, I think he's saying it's purposeful, going along with what Tony's just saying. It's, you know, it may be unconscious, you know, the thought is denial, you know, is thought to be an unconscious mechanism if you go with the Freudian theory, but never mind either way, it's it, it showing there's a will there to sure. misbehave. Yeah. Well, and I have to say, in the, in the Black Book, all, he talks about this a whole lot. I mean, that there's just paragraphs about denial in both and it's someplace in the black book he says something a little bit similar but he says something like um denial is not a purely negative device it can also be used positively or something well oh it talks about a positive use of it you can and you should deny your a belief that your errors can hurt you things like that yeah, yeah there's yeah and i don't know we, we still may come up with that statement here by the end of this third paragraph, I think he also, again, he's bringing it back. He says, again, it's a, that you can miscreate is necessarily believed in its own maker. It does not exist at all at the level of true creation. So the level of true creation has to be the, the creative ability that Jesus is talking about God gave us. <clears throat> so even miscreating is, doesn't exist at that level where God gave us the, the ability or God's ability. Mm. Okay. Okay, good. Let's uh, start. Yeah, yeah, we can actually probably finish this chapter up. Isn't that amazing? Okay, uh, let's start. Miracle principle number 50, Rosalind. Uh, why don't you read, um, oh, read all the way through to uh, start of paragraph three. Okay. The miracle compares what you make with the higher level of creation, accepting what is in accord as true and rejecting the discordant as false. All aspects of fear are untrue because they do not exist at the higher creative level and therefore do not exist at all. To whatever extent you are willing to submit your beliefs to the real test of validity, to the extent are your perceptions healed, or corrected. The real test of validity refers to comparing your beliefs to reality to the higher level of creation. Only when they are in accord with the higher level are they truly valid. In sorting out the false from the true, the miracle proceeds along these lines. Perfect love casts out fear, 169. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and he who fears is not perfected in love. Um, so I'm going to go back. Perfect love casts out fear. If fear exists, then there is not perfect love. 
but only perfect love really exists. Therefore, if there is fear, it produces a state which does not exist. Believe this and you will be free. Only God can establish this solution, for this faith is his gift. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. The comments following this reference provide an important clarification. Faith is the gift of God, but rather than waiting helplessly to receive this gift or not, we must actively contribute to our readiness to receive it by sorting out the true from the false. That was 170. But you must contribute to your readiness here and elsewhere. The readiness for faith, as for everything else that is true, entails the two steps necessary for the release from fear. The two steps necessary for the release from fear appear to refer to the two-step sorting out process given just above. Thus, step one would be realizing that your fear has cast perfect love out of your mind. And step two would be realizing that since only perfect love is real, the loveless state you are in now must be unreal. That's okay. okay, great. Uh, okay, so Christine, why don't you do three and four? Denial of fear in human terms is strong defense because it entails two levels of error. That truth can be denied and that absence of truth can be effective. To clarify the meaning of these two errors, in the first error, the denial of truth does not seem to be the same as the denial of fear that is mentioned in the previous line. Rather, it seems to refer to the denial of the truth of love, which is what produces the fear in the first place. Denial of truth cannot refer, refer to the denial of our feelings of fear, since as the next paragraph states in its original wording, experiencing fear, the correction for denying it, involves only the second error. That this first error is about the denial of ultimate truth may explain why Helen, after initially writing, that what is true can be denied, then corrected that to read, that truth can be denied. Her corrected version sounds more like it refers to the ultimate truth. As stated above, the second error seems to be where the actual denial of error comes in. Once we deny ultimate truth and thus produce fear, the first error, we then deny that we are feeling fear, which is the second error, this gives such, us the illusion of feeling calm and secure rather than crippled by fear. It thus makes original denial of truth seem actually effective rather than merely debilitating. The second error thus protects the first. I don't remember where that started. So, uh, right at the bottom. Recog recognizing, recognizing fear corrects only the second error. Miracle-mindedness corrects the first. Some are more miracle-minded and less able to recognize fear, while others are less miracle-minded but better able to recognize fear. However, these differences do not affect 
the power of the miracle at all, since only the distinction between truth and error is its concern. Further, when these different types join together the conditions needed for consistent miracle-mindedness, the state in which fear has been abolished, can be particularly well worked out. Okay. Thank you. And Yolanda, you can finish it up. Finish chapter one. Woo. Oh my God, we are. <laughs> what, the, purpose, <laughs> the purpose of this course is uh, integration. You cannot use it right until you have taken it. As long as your identification either vacillates or is weak, you cannot accept the gift that belongs to you. You are still either vacillating, vacillating between recognizing the gift and throwing it away or regarding yourself as too weak to accept it. You do not yet know its healing power. After you have taken the course, you will accept it and keep it and use it. This is the final exam, which you will have no trouble in passing. Midterm marks are not entered in the permanent record. Oh, a little sense of humor from Jesus here. <laughs> very humorous when you read it. When you read it, it's very humorous with the two of them. Mm -hmm. It's nice to hear. Okay, let's talk about this for a few minutes. I know what it says. The purpose of this course is integration. Of course, it's integration. If should have not been integration, I don't believe that anyone would have think to study a course in miracles. <laughs> well, you know that's why I, 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 I'm always baffled by people who seem to claim that 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 this. You know, they'll say this course is teaching there is no world. Well, you know, that just flies in the face of integration. You're, you are either whole and God is here and, or, I mean, it can't be integration. So thank you for saying that, Yolanda. I mean, I, I have always been just sort of baffled by people who, and I realize Ken Watnick and, and, the, and that blue book is really hard to, to find God or Jesus in that blue book. They're just, they're really not in there. But anyway, it's, it's always like, that's like teaching somebody to be psychotic. There is no world. Like, there's no way these two people would have written that down and meant it to mean that. <laughs> I'm just looking at that last statement there too. So after you have taken the course, you will accept it, keep it, and use it. So that's the final exam whether we accept it, keep it, and use it. And we'll have no trouble passing that exam. And how we're doing along the way, the midterms, that the, they don't matter. Not entered into the permanent record, it's cute. Well, he had mentioned the Akashic record before. Right. Stating that all of your miracles are kept in the Akashic record. Right. I bet it is human too to have a, a relapse, but I don't believe that we go so totally back that we forgot that actually we are in unity, or in unity is our true uh, existence, and uh, we are created in in unity. So even though we 
make the mistake to fall back, I don't believe that it lasts so very long. Hmm. Well, and, and I agree with you, and I think one of the, that's one of the points Jesus is trying to make. And even in these, this we just read, that you know, all you really need to do is decide that you are what you are. He's talking about faith, which is very different from belief. And in that miracle principle we just read, he's basically saying, you know, when you, when you decide to have faith that God is the voice talking to you, you will keep marching toward that, knowing that. And once you actually know it, and people, humans know it, when you've had that experience of, you know it. No, and then yes. you, can, you can call it that. And, and then that's sort of that, again, be able to draw on that. You know, I used to tell my therapy patients kind of what you were saying in a way, Yolanda, that once, you, once you've actually had an experience, it's yours. And that's part of what I think Jesus is talking about, faith and knowing that our creator is God. And when you have that experience, you embrace it. You have it in your body right here and now. You've had it. You might not have that same experience again for a long time, or maybe you have it more and more. But once you've had it, you, it's yours. That's the piece you can't take away. So many human beings were taught, I think, really like I was, you know, that there, God wasn't real. It, was, it wasn't here. And that, that didn't make sense to me. It made God scary. I need to get a book stand. <laughs> Have you got? I'm looking at that uh, the reference to foolish consistency. I'm just trying to understand it a little better. Uh, you know, based on the Emerson quote, "Foolish consistency is the hobgoblin of little minds." Um, so how is that really being used here? So there's there's some kind of foolish consistency we can... What paragraph is it in? Two. Of 49. Oh, I, I guess I jumped back to 49. Um, only human beings... Can, it's right at the end of the paragraph. Only human beings can make that kind of error. It is the expression of the foolish consistency that their own false beliefs have engendered. So our false beliefs engender a foolish consistency. But I'm trying to see no, a little bit. What he's trying to say is that your false beliefs, you keep f believing your false beliefs. That's the foolish right. consistency. And how helpful are they going to be to you? Because he's, he's, you know, he said, if you know it's an error, once you recognize it's an error, why would you keep believing? And, and you know, I, I, I related a little bit to that um, compulsive repetition of something if you're compulsively repeating something that you know is an error or a false belief who, who i mean you got to know it's probably going to disturb you somehow why would you keep doing that instead of choosing a different way i don't know that seems like just common sense logic to me very clear here that the fear is what is what's disruptive to our peace. Sure. In all of these paragraphs. And for a person who hasn't studied the Course, 
the psychological notion is that the fear is going to prepare you for what's going to really happen and so it's useful and so you know it's it's mind-blowing to uh, from the course if you hadn't studied it to say that fear is leading you into your disrupted state when, when you've been around the course so long you, you, do, you know these things sound normal like so typical like doesn't everybody know that <laughs> um, and I find that people don't it's very logical and very commonsensical I think the other thing is people forget that this was, Jesus was having a relationship and talking to two PhDs. So all of the things that, peop, that people like to say about ACIM that are like totally would tell a, a psychologically minded person that's psychotic thinking, there's no way those two people would have written that down if they intentionally knowing that, that somebody was gonna pick it up and say, this book says there is no world. Those two wouldn't have written it. That would have killed their careers. They would have known each one or the other of them was truly psychotic. And neither one of them would have participated if the other was psychotic. There's just no way. So that part, I think, also needs to be taken into consideration when you're reading it. That it is psychological. It's psychological language. That was the language they spoke. And they wouldn't have written down I'm going to write this book and tell people they're psychotic. It just wouldn't have happened. And they could see it in themselves. That you know, they could see the wisdom of these words in themselves. They could see what fear engendered in themselves. Amen. And and if you watch, there's a. I've put it up many times. There's a 13 minute video of Helen, and she in the in that you'd love it actually, Ross. It's I've listened to it many times. I just love it partly because I just I get her essence, but. The interview is really trying to do a, a suicide assessment, I mean, a, psych a psychosis assessment on her. And, uh, you know, you, you can just hear her. She's so logical. It's like, no, this is not psychosis. I was not hearing voices. I am not psychotic. I wasn't hallucinating. And being a mental health provider, all you do is listen to her. You just, you know that this woman's like, the guy couldn't tip her off at all. Because, and she says, she knew what it was for. She knew it had a positive purpose. She knew at the end of that video, she actually, he asked for something about, would she use it to talk with people? And she said, if I, if they thought it would be helpful and I could be helpful to them, I would of course talk to them. She said, I've just never had any reason to be, you know, taught, taught this. Um, she's very, very, it's, it's, it's a wonderful 13 minutes. I, like I said, oh, I'd love to see it. I've never heard of it. Even. Yeah, why don't you post it, Christine, post it on the, um, you know, the Facebook group okay. for this class. All right. All right. It's it, like, I don't know. I just can't say enough about it. I've listened to it That's so many great. times. Sorry about that phone there. Uh, actually this, it's uh, this is a good time for us to take a break. So I'm going to try to log out because I think that something happened because I had logged into my phone. So I'm logged in now, but not with the administrative privileges that I should have. Mm -hmm. so, <laughs> I can't, I can't mute any of you. <laughs> okay. <Ooh. laughs> so I'm going to log out and log back in. So we'll see in, in 12, but you, you guys don't have to log out.
Wait a minute. Uh -huh. Let me see. Oh, you know, uh, no, I don't have it. I thought maybe I had the uh, master. No, I think it had to do with because I first, you know, I first logged in on my phone. And so it gave the administrative uh, function to my phone. And then I had them both. Log anyway, I'll just try. doesn't matter. We, you know, there's only four of us here tonight, so we don't have the, the audio issues. Okay. You so know, Tony. Uh, uh, yeah. Usually, uh, sometimes in the breaks, uh, other teacher they they uh, stop the recording. So it's up to you what you want to do. Yeah, I can. I you know right now I I can't I can't I couldn't do that tonight because I have no administr I have no administration. Yeah, but in general, I want to say. Yeah, that could, but, You know, I, I I've been hesitant to do that because I'm afraid I'm I'm not going to remember to turn it back on. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, but we can. Um, anyway, see you in see you in eleven minutes now.
Hello, Rosalind. Hello. Is it all working now? Let's see. I, I just I, I was able to log back in. <laughs> At least I was able to do that. Let's see what I can do here. Um, no. Look below. Do you bring your cursor below? I'm sorry, what did you say? Have you tried putting your cursor below and seeing if you have managed participants and all that? On the on the bottom of your screen, I do not have managed participants. All right. So I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know what happened because I I've, I've done the class when I was in Utah. I did the class on this computer, mm -hmm. and was able to do it. But maybe it had something to do with the fact that I logged in with my I think, phone. I think yeah yeah probably because there are, because we stayed on the call. I know I did I yeah, yeah. and. Yeah. And so it's 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 saved the administrative functions to, on my phone. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't look like I need them particularly. No, we'll, so. we'll, be, we'll be mindful. And uh, I'm trying to get the lighting here a little bit better. But it's an awfully bright light. Uh, <laughs> let's try that one. That looks a little better. Well, you know, I'm sorry you're not going to be staying with us. Um, it doesn't make sense with being gone so much. When do you come back? Um, you know, I have so many trips planned in June and July. Ireland is the big one, but then I'll be, I'll be in East Coast time. And that's, it, it was really rough when I was on East Coast time because I'm a morning person. I'm up at five in the morning. So uh, it was 9.30 to 11.30 for me. I know. So it's just really nice. Well if if when your 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 schedule stabilizes yeah because i think we it, it took us a while to sort of figure out how to do this it was a little clunky and awkward but i think it's working a whole lot better now with the footnotes and how we're handling them and plus there's just a whole lot there were way more footnotes in the beginning too so yeah. uh, but i i intend to keep going through it um as long as somebody's here, because I want to read it, and and if I don't do it this way, I, I'm just not likely to. Plus, I want to read it at least with a couple other people. I don't want to read it just on my own. I won't. I won't get the same thing out of it. So hopefully, a few of you will stay with me. Maybe Yolanda, maybe Christine, maybe Charles. Charles will probably stay as long as there's somebody else around. I think Charles, Christine, and I, and one I was a woman named um, Marilyn, did, a, did a, a class together for a whole year, wow. just about for a whole year. Wow. And there's Christine. Very, yeah. very narrow. Yeah. yeah, let me There you go. Okay, so since we've done chapter one, let's read another cameo. We read the we've done the first cameo, so let's go to cameo two. Let's see how long is this one? Oh, this one's kind of short. Okay, good. Uh, these paragraphs aren't numbered. 
So um, here, let me get my sheet there. Can you tell me the page, please? Yes, it is page uh, 1,694. Only there's no number there, Yolanda. Way in the back. 1694. Yeah. Good, thank you. Okay, and um, I think Yolanda Redley, yeah, so it's me. Okay, well, well, I'll just start reading. Maybe people can read pretty much almost the page. Yeah. Um, uh, cameo number two, my strength will support you. On the morning of October 21st, 1965, near the very beginning of the dictation of the Miracle Principles, right after Principle 3, Helen had a revealing exchange with Jesus, one that tells us a great deal about him as a teacher, Jesus. You are breaking communication by thinking it's cute. This is not wrong, but it diverts your attention. Breaking is either a misspelling or a pun. Jesus is surprisingly agreeable about Helen's thought that it's cute. The problem with that thought is not that it's false, nor that it's bad. The problem is simply that it diverts her attention away from what he is saying. Helen has something to learn from him. It's vital, therefore, that she pay attention. Helen, that's true. Jesus, of course it's true. I'm really glad you got the idea. I'm not angry when this kind of thing happens, but the lesson deteriorates under lack of focus. These three points with corollaries as often as you can today because there may be a quiz this evening. This is merely to introduce structure if it is needed. It is not to frighten you. Okay, Rosalind, you want to read the next page uh, and up to maybe, you know, just when the paragraph ends on the, the next page. There is not a trace of sternness or judgment here. Jesus is not angry when Helen's attention is diverted, and he freely expresses his happiness when she gets what he's trying to say. He is entirely on her side. He just wants her to learn not about appeasing him, it's about her own learning. For this reason, he urges her to read and reread the first three principles throughout the day because there might be a quiz that evening, although there's no evidence that such a quiz actually happen, happening. He reassures her that it is not meant to frighten her into submission. It's just meant as a useful structure that will help her learn. Tony, are you turning pages? I'm not turning any pages. Who's doing that? Tony, are you? It wasn't me. Okay, whatever. Um, Helen, well, would you regard this as a kind of miracle, maybe? You better reread now. There's nothing special or surprising about this at all. The one thing that happened was the universal miracle, which was the experience of intense love you have felt. Don't get embarrassed. The U text adds by the idea of love. Things that are true are not embarrassing. Embarrassment is only a form of fear and actually a particularly dangerous one because it reflect, reflects egocentricity. 
No, don't think of how Bill will find this fascinating either. I told you to reread them and you did not. <laughs> Helen, I am now. Helen's attention has been diverted again, ignoring the instructions to reread the first three principles. She asks if communicating with him could be considered a miracle. <laughs> this is an understandable reaction. She is, after all, having a conversation with a voice that claims to be Jesus. He finds a way to answer her question while at the same time drawing her back to his focus. He says, in effect, if you reread the first three principles, you'll see that the ability to communicate with me is not a miracle, that a miracle is an expression of love. Therefore, your experiences of intense love were experiences of the universal miracle. This probably refers to the preceding summer in which Helen had had a number of experiences of being in a crowd and feeling a brief but powerful affinity with everyone there. I'll just finish the paragraph, Tony. Yeah, yeah. Of one such experience, she said that a sudden sense of deep emotional closeness to everyone there swept over me. Uh, 39, but it's not a footnote. What is that? You know, I don't know what that means, why there's a 39 there. Does anybody know? Does it refer to us? Maybe, maybe to, I was going to say maybe to a chapter or a miracle principle. I don't know. Oh, the first 39 is just a couple lines above it, and there is a little footnote there, too. All quotations with page number references in this cameo are from Helen's autobiography. Oh. Um, Okay, it's from page 39 of Helen's autobiography, which as far as I know has never been published, so spooky. Uh, that's useful. Okay, Christine, I wanted to read, read the next page um, uh, through to those quotes that are on the top of the next page. Not sure I understand what you're what you meaning. Okay, start start where you're now with at the mention and then read all the way through to the indented, complete the indented okay. paragraphs. At the mention of these experiences, Helen becomes embarrassed by the love she felt, a theme that will crop up repeatedly in the early dictation. This represents yet another diversion. Helen is pulling away from his teaching into self-concern. Rather than offering reassuring sympathy, therefore, Jesus quickly pops the bubble of her embarrassment. It's not humility, he says, but rather dangerous egocentricity. Then she pulls away yet again, musing to herself about whether Bill will find this fascinating. Jesus again brings her back to the task at hand. I told you to reread them, the principles, and you did not. And finally she yields. I am now. This seems to set the stage for the touching communication that follows. Jesus, do not feel guilty about the fact that you're doubting this. Just reread them and their truth will come to you. I love you, and I'm not afraid or embarrassed or doubtful. My strength will support you, so don't worry and leave the rest to me. Jesus now addresses what probably lurks in the background behind all her diversions. Helen is feeling guilty about doubting his teaching. As a solution, he brings her again. He brings he again brings her back to where to what he has asked her to do three times already. Reread them. If she just does that, the truth of the principles will come to her and her doubts will be vanquished. 
Helen's guilt over her own doubt seems to be part of a larger feeling of inadequacy as a learner. That's Robert's assumption. I, I disagree. As long as those feelings are there, how can she really learn what he's teaching? She can, implies Jesus, because he is there. And not only, and he not only loves her, as he openly tells her, but he also he is also free of all the barriers that hold her back. I'm not afraid or embarrassed or doubtful. Therefore, she can relax and lean on his strength. Do not run to Bill to tell him. There will be no time. But don't disrupt things. I'll arrange the schedule. You have a lot to do today. Get dressed or you'll be late. <laughs> but when you do see Bill, be sure to tell him how much he helped you through by giving helped you through by giving you the right message. And don't bother with worrying about how you received it. That doesn't matter either. You were just afraid. He's very practical and loving to her. <laughs> yeah. Okay, Yolanda, uh, just re uh, read the rest of the page. Yet uh, here is yet another diversion. Uh, Helen wants to run off and tell Bill what has happened, but rather than Jesus urging her yet again to reread the principles. Time has moved on, and the priority is now for her to get dressed and get to work. We might expect him to urge her to stay with this momentous happening, talking to Jesus and get to work late. Instead, however, he shows that he is concerned with the rest of Helen's life. As important as their communication is, he doesn't want to get in the way of her other responsibilities. He even offers to arrange the schedule for her. Then he shows his concern for Bill. Helen later wrote in her autobiography that when Jesus first began dictating the course to her, she called Bill in a panic saying that the voice she had been hearing was now using her specific words and seems to want to go on for some time. Bill made a simple and very practical suggestion. Try and write some more and see what happens. Jesus con co uh, comment above seems to be a reference to that phone call. If so, then Helen apparently didn't receive the suggestion very graceful, gracefully at the time. And Jesus wants Bill to know just how apt it was. And he wants Helen to not feel guilty for responding ungracefully. <laughs> that doesn't matter either. You were just afraid. Here is at the very beginning of the course, we have a revealing glimpse of how Jesus the teacher relates to his students. Helen, as we have seen, gets caught in various diversions. This is cute. It is a miracle. Is this a miracle? I feel embarrassed. I wonder what Bill will think. I've got to run and tell Bill. Many of these diversions, it seems, come down to one thing. An understandable fascination 
an understandable fascination with the idea of Jesus Christ dictating a course in miracles to her. It's like a celebrity showing up at your <laughs> class who has an important message to deliver. But, at, but all you think about is the fact that a celebrity is standing right there in front of you. Okay, thank you. Okay, I'll finish it up. In the midst of Helen's very human reaction, Jesus holds fast to his single agenda to get across his teaching. He is as focused as she is distracted. Therefore, no matter in what direction she pulls away, he keeps pulling her back to the principles he has just dictated to her, telling her again and again to reread them. He even asks her to do so throughout the day because there might be a quiz. He doesn't ignore her questions or her doubts. Rather, he tells her that she'll find the answers in the very principles he is asking her to study. Even though she stays firm with his agenda, he makes it abundantly clear that this has nothing to do with her doing what the authority says in order to be good or in order not to be bad. This is only about her learning. Thus, no matter what she says, he does not get angry with her. And rather than inducing fear or guilt in her to spur her into doing his bidding, he actively tries to relieve those feelings. When he needs to correct her, he follows this with reassurance. This is not wrong. I am not angry. And then she does receive his teaching. He is quick to tell her, I'm sorry, and when she does receive his teaching, he is quick to tell her how glad he is. He wants nothing, not her distractions, not her embarrassment or doubt or guilt, and not any needs she imagines he has to get in the way with her learning. He is there purely for her. His whole demeanor reinforces this impression. He is present, engaged, and clearly concerned. He tells her how he feels about her reactions. I'm really glad you get the idea. And he tells her how he feels about her. I love you. And he explains himself. He does not leave her in a state of mystery, having to trust in his almightiness, but rather tells her plainly why he says what he does. The lesson deteriorates under lack of focus. This is merely to introduce structure if it is needed. He even offers to make up for any lacks she may have as a learner. As he explains towards the end, he is free of all these lacks. Thus, no matter how inadequate she may feel, she can rest on his love and strength. Let go of her worry and leave the rest to me. This snapshot of Jesus will, Jesus's will to teach meeting Helen's, Helen's desire to pull away, surely applies to more people than just her. What student of the course does not get drawn off in diversions and distractions? And when that happens to us, we can envision that the same teacher that was there with Helen is here with us, single-mindedly, yet patiently and lovingly drawing us back to his teaching. Okay. Any, uh, let's, let's talk about this for a few minutes.
for me is is good to to read this uh, cameo because um, it shows how how is to to hear to and also how Jesus, if I can say, behave or react reacts to what a human being is doing. Mm -hmm. I think he really feels, and after I'd read it over and over so many times, you know, he, he just feels like a brother to me. Like he's always sort of here in the room with me, really like a human brother. Um, after I'd read it several times, one year I, with my, the person I was reading with, I said, we need to really read this this year. Like Jesus is reading to us. And we, and we, we tried to read it that way. You know, when a pop-up, one of us would use his name and how that he was talking to them, change the whole demeanor for him. I think he is very much being, her brother and a teacher there. And at the same time, he does speak as the Holy Spirit to her as well. Yeah, I think that aspect of it was edited out really substantially in the FIP version. You know, I'm, I'm sure they thought they were doing the right thing. I guess they thought they were doing the right thing. I don't know if I'm sure, but I, I, I believe they thought they were doing the right thing, but it, it just took away so much of the personal uh, Jesus talking to us that we could have felt, all the people studying it, reading it, could have felt a more personal presence with Jesus than they, than they probably did. I mean, obviously some people did, but... Uh, aside from just the edits that they've made that were so, I believe, drastic and, and shifted the meaning, they took away just that personal feeling. I mean, my, my sense with, with Jesus, I, I don't usually talk to Jesus but I feel, I feel him and sometimes sort of like feel that he's there or see him in my mind's eye. And he's always just like sitting, sitting there somewhere in the room, you know, just kind of, just the, just the guy sitting in the room smiling at me. It's like happy, happy with me. <laughs> and uh, doesn't demand anything or just a reassuring presence. And in those moments when uh, I'm, I'm concerned or afraid, it's just nice to remember that he's just there in the chair or sitting, sitting somewhere, just kind of hanging with me in whatever it is I'm going through. That's my, uh, that's my, that's my big sort of buddy sense of Jesus. That's, uh, uh, I don't, I talk, I talk generally to the Holy Spirit. I mean, if I got something I want to dialogue with, I, I dialogue with the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is just always around and always just hanging. <laughs> Anything else here with, about the cameo? Okay. Good. Let me read that. Let's go back to uh, Star Paragraph, uh, Chapter 2. So I've already read this chapter, and I would, uh, the, I would take strongly the suggestion he puts in the beginning of it. 
it, you, you read what you want, but it's very um, dry and uh, clinically oriented a lot of it up through wherever he mentioned. So just as a warning, what he says in the, in the editor's note is true. Okay, I haven't, I haven't read it yet, so I will, I will pay special attention to the editor's note on your, on your advice. It's just a suggestion. <laughs> yeah, okay. Um, okay, let's start with, um, okay, so um, it, it is Rosalind who is reading. Um, so why don't you just, you know, just go ahead and start. Read up to um, where it goes to type one. Or, or just just read up to, I guess, um, what we'll start with paragraph two. Why don't you just stop me when you see what I'll I'm stop you. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Write defense and release from fear. The real meaning of possession. Editor's note. This first is a specialized one that appears to be intended mainly for psychologists. It says that its focus on mental illness is less constructive for most people than a course primarily devoted to mental health. However, some professions will find some principle of mental health influence, some principles of mental illness constructive. This obviously includes psychologists. The general reader may therefore want to skip this rather than rather skip this rather complex section and can do so without losing the basis for understanding the sections that follow. If you do skip this section, however, we recommend that you read the final three paragraphs as well as a brief summary of the section that can be found in the first footnote below. Okay, I'll read the footnote. The following is a brief summary of this. We have an irresistible attraction to God, an innate drive to be possessed by God, i.e., to wholly belong to Him. We feel this drive, we fear this drive, yet cannot extinguish it. So we distort it into four false versions, four conventional desires for possession. One, possessing or being possessed by other bodies, as in sexuality, possessing things, that was two, three, being possessed by or possessing controlling the spirit or spirits, and four, possessing knowledge in the conventional sense of the word, not being true expressions of the possessive drive, these do not satisfy it and also cause negative symptoms in their own life. Therefore, as each form of possession intensifies, it produces mounting fear. As a false solution to this fear, we try to halt the expression of that form while still hanging on to the desire for it. Through the use of denial mechanism, which also impairs our ability to operate effectively. The real solution involves realizing that possession in the conventional sense does not exist at all on the level of true reality. Because in truth, knowing can be taken over by anyone or any 
anything else. In reality, we can neither possess nor be possessed. Should I, I go to Yeah, this? keep on. Yeah, re read this first paragraph. The real meaning of possession should be clarified. Fear of possession is a perverted expression of the fear of the irresistible attraction of God. The truth is still that the attraction of God is irresistible at all levels, and the acceptance of the totally unavoidable truth is only a matter of time. But you should consider whether you want to wait, because you can return now if you choose. Okay, thank you. So there. Okay, so Christine, uh, go ahead and read up until uh, 6. Possession is a concept which has been subject to numerous distortions, some of which we will list below. Type 1. Possession can be associated with the body only. If this occurs, sex is particularly likely to be contaminated. Possession versus being possessed is apt to be seen as the male versus female role. Since neither will be conceived of as satisfying alone, and both will be associated with fear, their interpretation is particularly vulnerable to psychosocial confusion. <laughs> Type 2. From a rather similar reference point, possession can also be associated with things. This is especially a shift from type 1 and is usually due to an underlying fear of associating possession with people. In this sense, it is an attempt to protect people from one's possessiveness, like the superstition about protecting the name we mentioned above. Both type 1 and type 2 are likely to become compulsive for several reasons. A, they represent an attempt to escape from the real possessive drive, the real possession drive, which cannot be satisfied this way. B, they set up substitute goals, which are usually reasonably easy to attain. C, they appear to be relatively harmless and thus seem to allay fear. The fact that they usually interfere with good interpersonal relationships can be interpreted in this culture as a lack of sophistication on the part of the other, not the self, and induces a false feeling of confidence in the solution. It's also fairly easy to find a partner who shares the illusion. Thus, we have any number of relationships that are actually established on the basis of type one and others which hold together primarily of a joint interest in type two. They, the external emphasis, which both entails the escape and thus permits a false escape from much more basic inhibitions. As a compromise solution, the illusion of interpersonal relating is preserved, along with the retention of lack of love. This kind of psychic juggling leaves the juggler with a feeling of emptiness, which in fact is perfectly justified because he is acting from scarcity. He then becomes more and more driven in his behavior to fill emptiness. Okay, thank you. Uh, Yolanda, if you could read and then just yes, read to... We didn't do the footnotes. We, we skipped all the footnotes. Oh, oh did, I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention to the footnotes. Oh, there's footnotes. Yeah. Uh, my, my, I didn't even see them. Two, three, and four. Two, three, four. Two, three, and four? Uh-huh. Psychosexual confusion, too. Psychological confusion about one's sexuality. In this case, this confusion is caused by seeing the male role as possessing... This is repetition, and the fem possessing, and the female role is being possessed. 
This makes each one in itself both unsatisfying and fearful, and so causes one to gravitate toward the other role as well. Three, this refers to Helen's habit of getting people's names wrong, which according to Jesus, she did in order to protect them from her destructive thoughts about them. This is similar to shifting our possessiveness to things in order to protect people from our desire to possess them. Four, substitute goals. Superficially look like the actual goal of the possession drive to be possessed by God and therefore appear to satisfy it. They're usually reasonably easy to attain because finding bodies to possess is something most people manage to do and finding things to possess is something everyone to some degree manages to do. Did I miss Bob? Mm, I don't. Yes, you did miss five. Yeah, it's in it's in D. Five, trying to satisfy the possession drive through possessing external bodies and things seems to be a safety device, probably because it seems to save us from being wholly inwardly possessed by God. It seems to keep possession at a safe distance. Yeah. Okay, great. You know what? I, I forgot that now in a new chapter, all the, uh, the footnotes have gone back to low numbers, and I... I didn't see the low numbers because I was used to looking for large numbers. So thank you for pointing it out, Rosalind. Okay. Okay, so uh, Yolanda, if you would read now uh, paragraph six and read all the way through paragraph 12 to where it gets to type four. When these solutions have been invested with uh, extreme belief, type one leads to sex crimes and type 2 to stealing. The kleptomaniac maniac is a good example of the later. Generally, three types of emotional disturbance result. A, the tendency to maintain the illusion that only the physical is real. This produces depression. The tendency to invest the physical with non-physical properties. This is essentially ma magic and tends more toward anxiety proneness. The tendency to vacillate from one to the other, which produces a corresponding vacillation between expression and anxiety. All three results in self-imposed starvation. Eight, type three. Another type of distortion is seen in the fear of or desire for spirit possession. This, the term spirit is profoundly debased in this context, but it does entail a recognition that the body is not enough and investing it with magic will not work. This recognition accepts the fact that neither type 1 nor type 2 is sufficient, but precisely because it does not limit fear so narrowly, it is more likely to produce greater fear in its own right. Endowing the spirit with human possessiveness is a more inclusive error than type 1 or type 2, and a step somewhat further away from the right mind. 
projection is also more likely to occur with vacillation between grandiosity and fear. Religion is a distorted sense is also more likely to occur in this kind of error because the spirit of a, because the idea of a spirit is introduced through fallaciously while is excluded from type 1 and type 2. Witchcraft is thus particularly apt to be associated with type 3 because of the much greater investment in magic. You missed six. You missed um, um, footnote six. Oh, oh okay. I did. Yeah, I'm this. not catching these either. Six, yeah, yeah, you did. She's right. Mm, that's true. Uh, this possibly refers to projecting your own possess possessiveness into the spirit realm, realm so that the Holy Spirit or a spirit appears to either want you as his prized possession, that source of your grandiosity, grandiosity, or wants to possessively control you, the source of your fear. 10. It should be noted that type 1 involves only the body, and type 2 involves an attempt to associate things with human attributes. Type 3, on the other hand, is a more serious level confusion because it, it endows the spirit with evil attributes. This, account, accounts, this accounts both for the religious zeal of its proponents and the aversion of fear of its opponents. Both attitudes stem, stem from, the false, from the same false belief. It is not what the Bible means by filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, there's a footnote there. There's a footnote there. So, yeah. Acts 2, 4. And they will be filled with the Holy Spirit and, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The concept of speaking in many tongues was originally an injunction to communicate to everyone in his own language or at his own level. It hardly meant to speak in a way that nobody could understand. <laughs> This strange error occurs when people do understand that the need for universal communication but have contaminated with the possession fallacy. The fear engenders, engendered by this misperception leads to a conflict state in which communication is attempted, but the fear is a laid by making the communication incompressible. It could also be said eight. that the fear eight. Eight. Yes, sure. This probably means that those speaking in tongues want to let the spirit speak through them, but also fear this because they think the spirit is possessive, possessive in the usual negative sense. So they let him through, but when 
but then cut down on the communication and thereby and thereby reduce it reduced its threat on them by making it incompre incomprehensible. It could also be said that the fear induces self selfishness or regression because incomprehensible communication is hardly a worthy offering from one son to another. Okay, you missed uh, uh, footnote eight, which was after that first reference to incomprehensible in that in that paragraph you just read. She read it. I read. She, she read did. It. Yes, she read it. Yeah. Oh, that's why. Oh, oh, sorry. No problem. <laughs> Okay, let's uh, let's chat about this. Well, I just yeah, you're right, Christine. This was very dry. Very dry, and I'd have to read it many times just to follow it, really. But uh, in paragraph eleven, you know, it's talking about the speaking in tongues idea, and in um, evangelical or fundamentalist communities. You know, they, they people will suddenly launch into this this sort of strange babble. They just like they just like babble, and nobody can understand them. And then they say that they are speaking in tongues. But this is sort of uh, saying, you know, the concept of speaking in many tongues was originally my injunction to communicate to everyone in his own language or at his own level. It hardly meant to speak in a way that nobody could understand. I just find that a little amusing. Well, and there's some historical research that I think probably is true that Jesus was actually born in the Hellenistic period and that it's far more like people spoke the, the common language is Greek. So that also could have some reference to Jesus talking to people that were going to go out and talk to other people. You know, that you want to if somebody speaks Greek, you probably are going to communicate speak them. Greek to them. Yeah, <laughs> speak Greek to them. Yeah, very logical, commonsensical. Yeah. Well, I also like the idea that he 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 follows that up a little bit with you know if someone is claiming to be he, hearing spirit talk to them, that if you become afraid of of hearing it yourself then you may also then become afraid and then you can't actually convey the message, whatever it is. I mean, it's a Very similar, logic, yeah. A similar concept, but you know, again, if you're, I believe, I think, I believe Jesus is talking to Helen and saying he's actually the Holy spirit, which is the voice for God until she decides that she's going to listen only to God. You can do it anytime. That's our natural inheritance. So, you know, if he's, if he were trying to convey God's message to her through him as the Holy Spirit, and he was afraid to hear God himself, he might not convey God's message from God through him to Helen very well. Okay. <laughs> the, the cat just obviously wants to study A Course in Miracles. 
They've been, they've been reading it with me out loud for years. They just want to be involved. You know, I saw the other thing was, you know, and, and again, I, and I, missed a, it's, I missed a lot of it. I would have to really reread this probably several times. But in paragraph three, type one, uh, which, which I, I guess type, the types are different types of distortions. Um, I was talking about possession. And then the like third sentence, this is possession versus being possessed is apt to be seen as the male versus the female role. Since neither will be conceived of as satisfying alone and both will be associated with fear, this interpretation is particularly vulnerable to psychosexual confusion. You have to remember chapter two, the right defense and the release from fear. This whole section is the real meaning of possession. So this is a whole, a whole treatise on the real meaning of possession. You can't take that out of there. It, he's making a distinction by giving these types. He then right. goes and talks about how they relate to emotion and how they relate to, what was the other one? No, he's making he, he's how oh, they become a behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's talking about these types to teach you that there's different meanings of that word. <clears throat> and basically, what he's saying in the first one, kind of in a nutshell, to me, Tony, is the first one's really about body. Second yeah. one is, is taking making things that are that are possessions or not physical, but giving the, imbuing them somehow with qualities of of being human or whatever. And then three goes on to um, be more about spirit. But then it goes on. It goes on. Even goes goes. Uh, it goes even off more than that. And that's why I said it would take a lot of time for somebody who doesn't really understand this to reread this, this section multiple times to make sense of it. Yeah, well, that's, I got that. You're right. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely right about that. But you know what I do see what comes through is uh, Jesus here is meeting Helen at her intellectual level. That, that's what really comes through. So this is, this is her. She's a psychologist. She's learned. And these are, you know, these are ways she would probably, this is probably more similar to the stuff she's reading and writing. And he's, he's meeting her right where she is. And he's giving her a discussion that probably she can really accept and communicate and connect with. He's just, he's just meeting his student in a way. And well, it's it's really for both she and Bill. I don't believe that any of this was only for Helen. I believe it was totally for the both of them. And again, taken in the context of how they came to ask for it, and they asked for this material. Right. So hard. I mean, again, you, you when you take it all in that context, it actually makes perfect sense. He's talking about this. Right. Right. You're right. I agree. 
this excuse me. This section could probably be a whole quarter's worth of a psychology class. I'm I'm sorry, I was sneezing. What did you say? This this section called the real meaning of possession could probably take up a whole quarter of an academic master's. Yeah. yeah. Okay, great. So um excuse me. So it's time to close. And I just really want to thank Rosalind. Thank you. Thank you all for being I'm sorry you're going. Yeah, I'm sorry you're going. I'm very sorry you're going. Come back to us when you come back. But I will, as yes. I will think of all of you and, and feel you with me. Because <laughs> I, I feel like we, we're, we're catching our stride here a little bit of how to like read this. And mm -hmm. so anyway, but thank you and blessings on you. And you have great experiences and trips and everything. You, you have a husband you're traveling with, I guess. I have a husband, yes. You have a husband. Well, good. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been married? Um, since 1973. 73? Yeah, 1973. Wow. Amen, sister. <laughs> wow. Congratulations. That's that's quite yes. an accomplishment. That's and still a good marriage, so that's a bigger one. That's great. Yeah. So that was 73, 83, 93, 103. That's 44 years? Yep. Wow. <laughs> okay. So, um, okay, let's just bring our attention and awareness with it. So let's remember Charles, our guest. Kim, traveling. Uh, Jeremy, got a workshop he's going to with his wife. Deb, I don't know where you are, Deb. Don, never got back to me. Griff, I don't know where you are either, dear. Okay, but they're all with us. Um, and let's just thank uh, Rosalind for her participation here and know that uh, wherever she goes, she's, she's always with us and we're learning with her and what she learns, we get, and what we learn, she gets as well. So we bless her, she blesses us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for giving us this time together. We know you're always with us and you're, you're helping us and helping all our sisters and brothers who believe that they are separate to learn that we are not. And in that learning, we are healed. Amen. 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 Yeah, thanks, Rosalind. Good night. Have a nice trip. Yeah, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Love you all.
this. Come on, let's go downstairs.
Hey, progressive lenses. See the difference with their lens. The only progressive lens brand that Texas designed is most technology for smooth transition and sharp vision. Ask about their lens and never compromise your vision. Buy into a glasses with no interest if you need four in six months and get up to $30 back when you combine select SLO brand lenses. Visit SLOUSA.com for more details. I found a way to keep my family from the king's wallet. Whoa. Check this out. Whoa. King's Hawaiian Foods. After becoming one of the largest broadband companies in the country, after expanding their fiber from coast to coast, these are the places we call home. We are Century Link.
also got for you a crab bite with sauteed asparagus tips, some sweet picante peppers, and a Raypas crumble. So what's your connection with food? I come from a Sicilian family, so literally one of the first things my mother ever taught me was how to saute onions and garlic. I think you did a lot of good things here. The way you cooked the onions and the garlic together, I think was smart. Instead of having it raw inside, the salt is right, the acid is right. Thank you. That's Sicilian spices in this dish, for sure. This totally makes sense. But I think maybe you could have taken that a rape of crumble and maybe done something with it in the pan or toasted it a little bit, because it just tastes, you know, corny. <laughs> Yeah, raw, cold, arepa. This doesn't do it. Jonathan, thank you. Next up, Ileana, could you tell us what you made? What you have here is kind of a crab salad with crunchy asparagus on the top. I feel the vibe of what you're going for here. And I love what you did with the arepa. It was a little crispy on the outside. They're absolutely delicious. The bite, the crunch that it's giving, it's really good. There's a really nice balance to everything that you put inside here. I think it's wonderful. But a little thing is just when you, you boil this, right? Salting that water permeates the asparagus and creates a rounded flavor profile, which little things like that go a very long way. Who are you playing for today? My charity is called the Hole in the Wall Gang Camp. This was uh, started by the actor Paul Newman for kids with illnesses so they could have the experience of going to camp. My uh, brother uh, died of a malignant brain tumor. He filled out an application to be a camp counselor there, but unfortunately, disease got best of him and he passed. So this is this is the way you're probably screaming. That is so hard. That's really sweet for you to share that with us. Eliana, thank you. Thank you. And next up, Ron, what did you produce? What I have for you today is my crab roll. It's my take on the traditional lobster roll, but then it's on an arepa. So, what would possess you to put yourself through this competition? I'm playing for the Booty uh, Junior Foundation. I have a son who has autism. He's now 13, so that's the thing I've got most on my mind. What type of a adult life he's going to have. Um, that's a good foundation. Thank you. My favorite part is the actual crab. It's very lightly dressed. You have that nice, uh, sweet picante pepper on it. But I think maybe my arepa was the first one that might have hit the griddle after the fire. It has the flavor of fire. Well, it's interesting because my arepa might have been the last one. Definitely doesn't have much color at all. But nice job on the salad. Well, how did you get into cooking? The last year and a half, I lost over 125 pounds. Wow! Wow! Congratulations. And now it's more uh, trying to learn how to cook at home. Also, I'm single. I want to get a nice wife. We should be cooking in the kitchen together. Uh, it's already working. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. And finally, Julie, what did you make? Today, I made for y'all a cold, southern-style crab salad with some crispy, crunchy arepa uh, ribbons. This is sort of a ladies' luncheon in Savannah. I love your reference to a southern cold salad because this is exactly what you made us. The peppers that you used here, the way you chopped them up so fine, wove it through the salad perfectly, I think. But you just need some salt in here. They're rapists, they're asparagus, the whole salad needs salt. But I still think it's a fantastic salad. The way you treated all the ingredients is right on. I think the key is just to taste as you go. All right. Now
Now the judges need to talk about who is going to make it to round two. Thank you all. I It's crispy, it's crunchy, it's peanut butter. It's a one of a kind experience. Butterfinger, there's nothing like it. Thank <laughs> you. 
find myself on all these things. I am sure that you are not. Our goal is a revolutionary treatment for the most common type of cancer in the United States. It's been prescribed to more than 40 million people, and it's easy to cure up to 99 percent of patients who have required treatment in 12 weeks. Certain patients can be cured with just eight weeks of work. Before starting the program, your doctor will test to see if you've ever had hepatitis B. You can refer an oncologist to see your doctor's during and after Taiwan treatment. Tell your doctor if you've ever had hepatitis B, a liver transplant, other liver or kidney problems, HIV, or any other medical conditions, and about all the medicines you take, including herbal supplements. Taking any liver on your Taiwan can cause a serious problem with your heart. Common side effects are probably hepatitis, headaches, and dizziness. Ask your health care specialist about how to do Progressive can protect you from becoming a parents, but they can protect your home tomorrow. This new age is getting vaccinated in some ways on day and days. An adventure unlike any you've seen before. Disney Nature's more than Chicago's Disney Sea Orchard. Yeah, I mean, I want another helping of that. That's just so delicious. 
So, Julie, you've been an actor for a while. Do you feel like that business has made you a thought competitor? Oh, gosh. I guess you just have to be competitive because you get told no so many times that you're finally like, hey, 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 you're wrong. That thought was great. <laughs> And finally, Jonathan, what do we have here? What I prepared for you is a seared New York strip on marshmallow protein mash with uh, sauteed Brussels sprouts and pancetta. And I finished off with a little squirrel of worcester on the bottom. Where did you come up with the idea to put the Worcestershire sauce directly on the plate? You guys were always talking about salting and stuff like that, so I figured adding a little more salt to the bottom of the plate. I think save the dish because the potatoes would have been too sweet without it. The Worcestershire is smart. It's smart. Well done. But this hammer hates nails. Who would they be with? Huh? Here, use the man picture hanging strips instead. Just click, stick, press, and ta-da! Then when it's time, just stretch the command strip off nice and clean. Now, Dennis, that one don't hurt them. Doesn't it? Of course, to a legit quote. It's working. Command, do no harm.
my charity on the wrong camp, but I learned so much from the experience. I really got out hooked. I think I had great, great competitors. I should have put them in the oven. Oh, five minutes is all day. I agree. You can clearly smell that cinnamon. 